God is doing through your church to make a difference not only in, in this community, in this city, in the state of Florida, in our nation, and to the nations. God bless you, and may you be highly encouraged to know that God has his hand upon your church. Aren't you blessed to have such an amazing pastor, David Tarkin, and his wife, Tracy? Amen. I love your pastor, and uh, what an exciting week it is for him. He's going to get to play with matches in church here in a few moments as he burns the note. But the, but the week of having a, a grandchild born and how, how awesome that is, and we celebrate with them and with their family today. I would ask you this morning to open the Word of God to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. John chapter 6, we're going to read a section of scripture that you're familiar with, and often we read these familiar scriptures that, you know, as a pastor and a preacher, it's challenging. You know, what are we going to say that, that brings freshness to it? But I pray this morning that we'll hear what the Spirit is saying as we open the holy, inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God. And would you stand in honor of God's Word, John chapter 6, beginning with verse 5. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he did to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, answered, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then said Jesus, Make the people sit down. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down and number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Heavenly Father, we pray today that you will bless your word it will accomplish what you have sent it to accomplish in this place. May we hear what the Spirit is saying into our lives, and we pray this in the name above all names, that of our Lord and of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. This past year, Karen and I celebrated our 40 years anniversary of marriage. And so we made a decision. Yeah, yeah, applaud for her, certainly. Um, <laughs> We made a decision we were going to take a trip, kind of a big thing, make a big deal out of our anniversary. And so we were kind of trying to figure out what to do. And, and we talked about a cruise, but I'm not very good on the water. I mean, I get a little seasick in the bathtub. And so water, you know, and boats that go up and down, I just have a hard time with that. So we knew we couldn't go out like on a, a major cruise out in the Atlantic or on the Gulf because of the, of the, of the uncertainty of the water. So, so we found a river cruise, and we went down the Seine River in France. It was a, a beautiful time there, a magnificent country, very beautiful countryside. And so as we're in Paris, we were going around seeing all the sights. We go into the Louvre to see all these world-class, I mean, magnificent paintings. And I'm just not a real artsy kind of guy. I mean, you know, I'm about sports and that sort of thing. So after about four paintings, they all kind of start looking the same to me. You know, I'm just kind of nodding yes and okay, and we're moving on. But, but as we were going down the, the river cruise, we, we, we went to a place called Giverny there in 
in France. And it's a place where a, a world-famous artist by the name of Claude Monet in the, late, uh, in the late 1800s bought a piece of property. He was a French Impressionist painter. And of course, if you know anything about art, you probably can know right now and identify the paintings by Monet. But he found this 2.5 acres, a farm, and, and it was just raw land at that time, but he, but he purchased this land with a vision. He not only was a painter, but he also was a horticulturalist. And so he designed gardens and, 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 and dug ponds, and, and he grew particular plants and flowers to accentuate and capture life based on the time of day. And he, he actually put these water lilies in, in these ponds, and, and he knew that as he bought this property, he had a vision of what this property could become. Now, to most people, it was just raw land. To most people, it was just another farm there in that particular part of France. But yet, this man had a vision to see what was yet to be. And he designed and he planted accordingly. He knew what he wanted to paint even when it didn't exist. And so he brought about, brought about an environment and developed an environment to fulfill that vision. Today, over 600,000 persons per year visit these very gardens. His paintings are displayed in art galleries all around the world. And in 2016, a painting of Monet was auctioned and sold for over $81 million. You see, vision enables you to see what is yet to be. And you dedicate your life to that goal. We're here today celebrating vision. We're here today because a church had a heart to plant, as Pastor said, almost a hundred years ago here in Orange Park. And as the area grew, as the community grew, as the needs grew, the church expanded and developed accordingly. For you see, God always has a plan. And sometimes out of the most difficult and challenging situations, we trust the Lord and the Lord in His time brings about the miracle of what God's people can do together when they by faith are willing to trust and to follow Him. We must remember that God always sees what we cannot see. And God knows what we do not know. And God has already been where we are yet to go. He is omniscient, he is omnipotent, and he is omnipresent. He is the sovereign and the eternal. And I praise the Lord today that he has not forgotten, he has not forsaken, nor has he forfeited his people. God is faithful. And so in this moment that we have read in the scripture today, this is the moment where people are being tested. It says that very clearly within the Scripture. In verse 6, he did this to test him, to test the disciples. It's a moment where there are great multitudes. The Bible numbers those multitudes. It says there were 5,000 men. Notice we do not have the numbering of children or even of, of ladies that were present at this moment. So potentially you could double or triple that number. 10,000, 12,000, 15,000 people who were gathered there. And in this moment, Jesus already knew the outcome. But he provides an opportunity for someone of vision and someone of faith to rise up and to respond in this moment. 
Jesus tested their faith. He tested their trust. He tested their belief and their surrender unto himself. Oh, it was an overwhelming situation. And we can get overwhelmed in our life. We can get overwhelmed within the church. But we're grateful that Jesus already knows the outcome and that he will do a miracle. For he is not through with his church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so in the scripture today, in a moment where man is highly challenged, in a moment where men could not see what could take place, the Lord tests them. And as they responded to him, Christ himself did a miracle that we celebrate even in this moment. I believe that God still desires to move through men and through women who are willing to say, Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I will follow you. Lord, I will risk everything that I am unto your honor and unto your glory alone. And so this morning, I want us to examine this scripture because it asks questions of do you believe and will you believe? And are you willing to risk? Are you willing to place everything of who you are under the lordship of Jesus Christ? And so we see the response of man. And there are three responses that we see within this text. First is with Philip. As Philip interprets this situation, he sees the multitudes. He looks around. And he realizes that there are no fast food locations. There's no Grubhub. He can't call 1-800-something and get a delivery being made. They are in a very pressing moment. And as I well know that you have a meal planned here today. And if I preach past that time, I might understand the wrath and even the anger of a hungry crowd on a Sunday morning ready to get to a meal. And so here they are, gathered out. And these people have been there daily. And they've been listening to Christ. They came to Him because of His miracles. They came to Him because of His teaching. They came to Him because He was a man, a prophet, a man of God. And so here here they are, and now the moment has come. They are ready to eat. Something must be done. And so Philip looks, and he says, Well, we only have 200 denarii of bread. 200 denarii, thousands of people. And he says, This is not sufficient. I know we've all been in that moment. It doesn't balance out. It doesn't make sense. It seems to be more than we ought to tackle. It, it, it's overwhelming to us. We, we, we have a debt. We, 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 we move forward, and, and, and yet sometimes the math just doesn't seem to work. And so Philip almost takes a defeated, negative position. He's moving in the realm of subtraction. He's looking and saying, this is what we cannot do. Even though we have a little, it is not sufficient. So why should we risk a little knowing that it's not going to resolve the situation in which we are found? Now remember, Jesus is testing them. He's wanting to see who is willing to believe that indeed I am the Messiah. Who is willing to believe that I am the very one who is promised 
through the Word of God. Who is willing to believe that, that in Christ all things are possible? Philip says it's just not sufficient. Then you turn to Andrew. Andrew is a little bit more, uh, a little bit more optimistic, but not much more optimistic. I mean, he says, well, we've got a boy here. He, he's got five loaves and two fish. And he's, he's here with me, but, but what are they among so many? Now, I want to give Andrew some props here because I think that Andrew was sharpening his knife and he was developing the precursor to chicken nuggets. I think he was already thinking, how can we cut this fish up in small bites and pass them out? We will try, we'll make the best of a challenging situation. We'll go as far as we can go, but I don't want to be the one passing out the last fish nugget. Then when, and when we've done as much as we can, then we might ought to leave because we're going to have a lot of people who are not going to be happy with us. And I think sometimes, even within the church, we, we have that same perspective. You know, what are they among so many? What can we do as a church in these overwhelming, challenging times in which we live? What can we do as a church in a moment where, where God is raising up around us unprecedented and unparalleled opportunities in the gospel? But yet, this is what we have. What is this among so many? But then we come to the boy. You've got to love the boy in this passage of Scripture. He's not named He's just a young boy who's gone to the market. As you well know, during biblical times, they didn't have refrigeration. And so they would purchase their, their food and they would do these things just on a, a few days' basis. And so I'm sure his mom had sent him with money to the market to buy food for the family. And so he's returning. And he's just like any other boy. He's just like any of us. He saw a crowd, and all of a sudden, what he had in his hand didn't really matter. What was going on with the crowd was more important. He's just distracted, and he finds himself now standing in the midst of this moment, a moment where it is calling for mature and adult people to step up and do the right thing, and this boy hears the anxiety. He hears the predicament that is being expressed by the disciples, and he says, well, I've got this. Will this help? I, I'm willing to give all that I have in this moment, in this moment of great need. No words, just spoke with his actions. He was all in. He gave what he had, and as a result of these five loaves and two fish, the miracle of multiplication occurs. Twelve baskets remaining, and everyone was filled you see you and i never know when god is speaking into our heart he's calling us to step forward and do what he wants us to do what god has on the other side of your obedience i think many times we've been like philip it's just not sufficient we've been like andrew what is, what are, what are these among so many when all alone the lord is testing us will you be just like this boy well, will you be like this boy who's willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to risk everything for you. I'm willing to give all that I have. I'm willing to lay down everything of my life 
Because, Lord, I know that everything of who I am fully belongs to you. I'm who I am today because you were at that place of equality with God the Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three, yet one, co-eternal, co-equal, co-existent, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. And in the fullness of God's time, God sent His one and only Son. And Jesus Christ left heaven... And came to earth. He was conceived in the womb of a virgin named Mary by the Holy Spirit of God. A supernatural, miraculous birth. And the Messiah, the long-awaited one, the consolation of Israel, the hope of all the nations was born into the world. And he lived a sinless, innocent, perfect life to go to a cross where there upon the cross Jesus Christ would lay down his life for the sins of the whole world there upon the cross he would do for me and he would do for you what we cannot and could not do for ourselves he was the one and only sacrifice the substitute in our place and there upon the cross Jesus Christ paid in full the price and the penalty for our sin. He did not say, my sacrifice will not be sufficient. He did not say, what I will do, what is this among so many? But instead, He gave Himself fully and completely upon the cross and He breathed His last and He died and He was buried. But on the third day, Jesus Christ burst forth from the grave unto life everlasting and because he lives you and I have life everlasting and so on June the 11th 1965 on a Friday night revival service seated in the back of a small sanctuary in Green Hill Alabama the word of God was proclaimed by a man named Charlie Thompson an evangelist And during that revival and during that night in that invitation, my father went forward and gave his life to Christ. My sister went forward and gave her life to Christ. And I went forward and gave my life unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And the testimony of my life is that I have a Savior and you have a Savior who loves us so much that He demonstrated His love for us and that while we were still yet in our sin, He would die and show His love and grace and mercy and offer salvation for me and for you. Oh, God, help me to be willing to risk everything. God, help me to be willing to let go of all of my life in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. So with man, we see the responses. But then we see with Christ. The responses of Christ very clear, very measured, and very strong. He said to them, sit down. I like that. Sometimes we want to run. <laughs> Sometimes we get all nervous and you know we, we fret just with calmness. Jesus said to these thousands upon thousands upon thousands, Sit down. You see, God has a plan. God has a purpose. 
God has a provision for every person's life. This morning, He's calling out to you in the midst of the busyness of your life, in the midst of the pain and the struggles, in the midst of all the voices competing for who you are, in the midst of your shame and pain, in the midst of the sadness and the difficulties of your life, in the midst of successes of your life, Christ is calling to you today and saying, sit down, sit down. And here, as I call you, as I call you unto myself, he said to them, gather up, gather up. (laughs) I hear these disciples and they're saying it's not sufficient. What are these among so many? And now I can just kind of see them strutting around. Yeah, put the extras right here, you know. All of a sudden, they, they think they've become the heroes of this story. When all along, the Lord is teaching them. And He's testing them. He's testing their faith. Do you believe in who I am? And He says, oh, there's going to be nothing lost. Nothing lost. There's such beauty in that phrase. Remember who we are, where we are. Remember to whom we belong. But the Lord cares more about His church than we do. And the Lord cares more about that lost neighbor, that lost family member, and that lost friend than we do. He desires that there be nothing lost. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should have life. But yet we in this generation are challenged to take that gospel message to a lost and dying world. Great multitudes. They're all around us today. In the state of Florida, we measure 21 million people. We're in the midst of a census. That number is going to grow exponentially even as we get the next updated data of our population. You realize there are 300,000 persons per year Let me say that one more time. 300,000 individuals per year moving into the state of Florida. I mean, if they all ran out of gas here in Orange Park, you better be ready. 300,000 per year. Millions of individuals visit the Sunshine State for our theme parks and for our beaches. Millions of students are here in our state in our colleges and universities. We have become the number one relocation destination in all the states in the United States of America. We can be overwhelmed by this moment. We can say it's not sufficient. We can say what do do we have among so many? Or we can rise up in this moment as the people of God And just say, Lord, it's all yours. Here's the loaves, here's the fish. And see God do a great move of multiplication across the state of Florida where we're not trailing behind, but instead we're leading. We're leading and seeing people come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. You see, First Baptist Orange Park, it's more than about a church on the property at 1140 Kingsley Avenue. It's about reaching this area. It's about reaching this city. It's about reaching this county, this state, this nation and nations with the gospel. You realize that there are 28,000 
500 vehicles per day that drive right across the front of your church property every day. 28,500 vehicles that drive by this church daily. I was preaching a revival down in central Florida. Uh, Brother David, I was the Tuesday night guy. You know, you, you have revivals, and they'll have somebody Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday kind of thing, and I was just the guy they had on Tuesday night. I showed up at the church and um, found the pastor, and he, didn't, he wasn't saying a whole lot about the revival, so that kind of told me a whole lot about the revival because pastors, we, we can extend things and share things, you know, very, very excitedly. Just wasn't a whole lot happening, apparently. But on that Tuesday night, for whatever reason, God just moved. They had a balcony, much like you have here. And we walked in on a Tuesday night, and the downstairs was completely filled with people. The balcony had people across it, not packed out, but people in the balcony. On a Tuesday night in central Florida, the worship was awesome. I got up and just shared the gospel and then gave the invitation. When the invitation started, people just began moving. There was a part of prayer and preparation and invitation and all, all that God brought into that. And, and, and people just kept coming, person after person after person after person. I mean, we weren't prepared for that. I mean, the pastor was standing there, and all of a sudden, there's just lines of people around him to the point that now he's almost saying, hey, if you know anything about how to share salvation, come down here. We have people need to be talked to here tonight. I mean, it was just that kind of night. It was just, it was just overwhelming. But God was working. God was moving. The invitation ended, and they're starting to introduce people, and here's a prodigal who, who came home and came to church that night and gave their life to Christ. Here's a, a couple there who were at the brink of divorce, and they came that night and gave their life to Christ. I mean, there's a neighbor been praying for son, daughter, mom, dad. I mean, you know, just story after story, just rejoicing and weeping and shouting and hallelujah on a Tuesday night in central Florida at a local Southern Baptist church. We finally drew everything to an end, and the pastor said, hey, would you go back to the foyer area? As people are leaving, let them speak to you. And so I go back there, and man, people are coming by, and you know, they're still weeping. And everybody, it seemed like everybody had a story. Everybody had some connection with somebody who came forward that night and, got, and dealt with the needs of their life before Christ. And people were just weeping and rejoicing over all of this. And so finally, this gentleman gets in front of me, and he grabs my hand. And he squeezes my hand as hard as my hand has ever been squeezed in a handshake. I mean, the point that I'm almost jerking it out of his hand. And, 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 and I know you just want me to look at him, but I mean, I said, you know, I'll look at you like you're breaking my hand. You don't have to do this, you know. And he said, preacher, I got something I want to say to you, you know. And I'm like, there's always somebody like that in the crowd. It doesn't matter what God does. I mean, they, you know, they're going to be some kind of complaint somebody's going to have. And uh, he said, did you know that the whole time that you were up there preaching tonight, that your tie was crooked. And he just let go of my hand and walked off. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, I, mean, I wanted to laugh, you know, but they're still... And so, you know, I just kind of re-engage with people. And, and then I get in my car and I'm driving home. And, uh, man, I'm just praising God. I mean, I'm like, Lord, where can I go next Tuesday night? I mean, you know, any night. I mean, this is incredible. And then I started thinking about that guy and what he said. You know, and I just kind of start laughing. I mean, I'm like, you know, wh where was this guy? Did he not see all these things that were happening? And my goodness, the whole reason God brought me there that night was for that one statement. Because the Holy Spirit of God just grabbed hold of my heart. 
here you are, the pastor there at First Baptist Brandon, Florida. Man, y'all talk about the thousands that come on Sunday morning. You think you got all these ministries going on. And every day, every day, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands, multitudes who drive right by your campus. And when they look over there and they see all those buildings and signs and all the stuff, all they see is just a crooked tie. Man, what a humbling ride home. And we began meeting and with our team and looking at what we were doing and what we weren't doing and realizing that there were people all around us that we're not even coming close to touching the needs of their hearts. And we had to rethink and revision and reimagine who we were to be for the future. 28,500 vehicles per day. In a five-mile radius of where we are seated and standing right now, there are 126,210 individuals. Within a 10-mile radius, there are 515,430-plus individuals. And those numbers have a growth projection of 6.5% by 2025. It's not a matter of, are we going to grow? Will we grow? It's not a matter of where are the people. God has brought them to us. And so today is not about a finish line. Today is about the next steps. The next level in Great Commission ministry for First Baptist Church of Orange Park. Some of you here today are overwhelmed And everything that we want to do today, I pray, points you to Jesus Christ. To His salvation. The world will say, well, that's not sufficient. The world will say, what can this do among so many? But what I would say is, is that Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain and He washed it white as snow. And if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, this morning, out of the multitudes, He knows your name. And He knows your need. And He loves you. And by His Spirit, He is drawing you and calling you and convicting you and pointing you unto the salvation of Jesus Christ. And today, your life can be eternally changed to the glory of God. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And that means you today, in this place, in this very room. In a few moments, we're going to do an invitation. There'll be pastors here at this altar, from the balcony, from the downstairs. If you'll just step out, come to one of these individuals so that they can share with you what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ.
But this scripture today speaks clearly to the church. He did it to test them. He did it to test us. And everything points to Jesus Christ. (laughs) And today he's telling us to sit down, gather up, so that nothing will be lost. Give the loaves, give the fish, give who we are, the best of who we are. Risk it all to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning, I know we're going to celebrate in a few moments a monumental, a monumental testimony of your faithfulness and your giving. But maybe today, the Lord is just calling you to what's ahead to the future. And you just want to come forward as a individual or as a family as a husband a wife and just say to a pastor here pastor i'm all in for the future of first baptist church of orange park i i want to bring my loads my fish and just say lord i'm yours and this is yours and whatever that means oh lord we're not writing the script we're just we're just taking steps of obedience because we trust you and lord we know that there's greater work greater work greater work greater work to be done Lord, just think about where we are. We know there's greater work to be done. Think about what God has called us to do in His great commission. There's greater work to be done. Oh Lord, may we today, in this day that we celebrate all that you have done, may we commit to what is yet to come and say, I'm all in. I'm all in. Help me to not put my eyes in the wrong place, but to put them on you, O oh Lord, and to give all that I am and all that you desire for me to be. So church, today, would you make that commitment toward the future?